to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Mateo, normally I say good morning, but I'm um, truly, it's only good morning for, for one of us here. It's good evening to you. How are you doing today? Hi, brother. How are you? Good, man. Episode 27, we have a special guest from halfway around the world. I hear mm. I hear the toilets flush the other way. I'm not sure which way it is, um, but th- that's kind of exciting. And um, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and let you do the introductions because you you kind of like doing them. So I'm going to let you introduce our <laughs> guest today. Is that is that why is that why I think I think you it? enjoy it. I think you enjoy doing the introductions. There was a handful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, you know I love you. No, this week is I, I do because yeah, we 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 get the opportunity to talk to some amazing people um, who are you know significant in our industry, right? And, you know, we, we get to have real candid conversations and uh, this week is no exception. I'm excited. Uh, to our guest this week on the No Bullshit Short-Term Rental Podcast uh, is definitely someone that likes to keep it candid, keep it real, keep it honest. Uh, has an amazing personality. Um, and when I think no BS is definitely one of the people I think. Um, the amazing author and million dollar host uh, brand, the one and only Julie George from way down under. Welcome to the No Bullshit Short-Term Rental Podcast. Like, I, I, I want to keep your, my, I'm not going to read your resume because I'm going to let you do that because yeah, uh, we want to know your story. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun story too um, because, you, you know, wherever you came from to where you are today, you're significant. Uh, in terms of what you are doing for our industry, right? The people you are bringing into the professionalization uh, of this industry um, through your speaking, through your engagements um, is having an impact. So welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me. And I feel like I'm at home, the no bullshit short-term rental podcast it, it's like it's made for me, right? So the Aussies, uh, the Aussies are known for. There's not a lot of bullshit that goes down uh, down in Australia. And 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 actually, I heard a um a quote the other day that which is quite relevant. Where a lot of people say the grass is greener. Well, the grass is only greener because it's been fertilized with bullshit. So there you go. that's <laughs> one of my favorite sayings. Yeah, that is one of my favorite. Yep, that's amazing. So. so so, Julie, talk to us a little bit about where you came from. Like, we know, you know, we see your books, we see you speak, we know you have an amazing clubhouse uh, that just keeps the conversation going with some amazing people that get to, you know, really, you know, share their experiences. How did you get to this? Uh, tell, tell us your story. Well, let's, you know what, I, I talk a lot on podcasts about my story, but let's even wind it back even further. I'm going to give you guys some, uh, a bit of insight into Julie George, that not a lot of people know. Um, look, cool. my first job ever was I, I grew up in the wilds of Kakadu, the Northern Territory. And if anybody has seen Crocodile Dundee, that's where I lived. That's where I grew up. And my first job ever was feeding crocodiles. Mm-hmm. All 10 fingers still in there You, go. Uh, so you, you call on. that a knife? <laughs> that's not a knife. This is a knife. Right. <laughs> So uh, I've gone from, you know, living in the wilds of Kakadu, feeding crocodiles. Uh, I studied hospitality management at university, which I at the time as an 18, 19-year-old thought was a housewife course. I learned how to cook. I learned how to clean. I learned how to make cocktails. I learned how to drink cocktails. Um, And... Mm. You know, and then I can't remember anything else I learned after that. But, and then it's, um, it's all downhill from there. It really was. And uh, from there, I um, my parents were always involved in hospitality and tourism. And I thought, right, that's what I'm going to do. Then the pilot strike came in, which has happened to us in Australia. And it really shut down tourism as much as uh, a pandemic did just recently um and unfortunately that all that those plans went to 
to pot. Um, I ended up getting a job over in the United States. So I went and lived in California for 18 months, uh, working with the Australian Tourist Commission and travelling around the US, around Canada and around South America and Central America, promoting Australia as a tourism destination. So that really... And, and when was that? that approximately? Was, oh gosh, are you ready for this? This was 95, 96. So okay. I was... Um, a little spring chicken back then and too young to drink in Los Angeles. So I would get stamped with no alcohol on my wrist and have to travel down to Tijuana uh, for a few. Okay. So, okay. So I was only a couple of years behind you. I lived in San Diego. See, I graduated high school in 96. So I was, I think 98, I went to college for one year. Then I moved to, I think it was like 98, 99. I was down in San Diego and yeah, across the border to go oh. over to the Tijuana. Yeah. We, we probably partied together, John. I knew we might have. It's, it's, <laughs> it was a, it's a little cloudy back then. I, I, I've, Me too. <laughs> I'm sure there were zebras, not horses, or, yeah, horses, not zebras or whatever in Tijuana. But um, anyway, it was a great time. And I, lo- I just got to really gel with the American market. And I guess, you know, going full circle now, that's where I am again now. I'm now consulting and teaching and and working with mostly Americans and loving seeing how I can, you know, well, you know, I've fast-forwarded a lot in in that quick few sentences, but but just it's amazing how things go full circle. I'm back working in the hospitality sector. I'm back now working with the American market uh, and not feeding crocodiles anymore, but dealing with a lot of sharks out there. Yeah, <laughs> right. so, there you go. But, um, but look, I, you know, it's, I guess, getting to the short-term rental side of things, I, um, I really love working for myself. I hate being an employee. I'm a terrible employee. Do not ever employ me, anybody out there. And I found myself in 2016 just craving to run my own business again. I'd heard about all this fuss about Airbnb. I thought, what is all the phenomenon about? So I then took one of my investment properties, which I had had a long-term tenant in, fully furnished, one-bedroom apartment, uh, he moved out and I thought, I'm going to put the Wi-Fi on, I'm going to put the linen in, I'm going to take some photos, put it up on short-term rentals. And within minutes, I had, well, actually, I'm exaggerating. Okay, within maybe hours, I had my first booking. Uh, I was getting incredible returns on investment. I was able to use my property for the first time ever. And the light bulb, the cha-ching moment went off. And I thought, far out, I could turn this into an absolute killing of a business where I can manage and leverage other people's homes take those properties, put them on Airbnb, charge a commission. And so a property management business was born. Host My Home was the name of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, really put in a unique strategy, a new unique uh, business structure, company structure, uh, and was able to scale up to 130 properties within two and a half years, $8 million income. That's crazy. Mind blown. Absolutely mm-hmm. mind blown, but but um, sold my business just prior to COVID. So 2019, 2020. Decent timing. <laughs> I tell you, I, I could go yeah. and become a psychic if I uh, look into my crystal ball and see the future yeah, like send that. Send me those lottery numbers, please. <laughs> They're coming at you, Mateo. Uh, but uh, sold my business, wrote a best-selling book, and here I am now getting to talk on the no bullshit well, truly, the pinnacle of your career is probably right now, this morning. I, I understand that. I mean, I don't have a book yet, but I do have a podcast with my good friend, Matea. So, um, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. So talk to me about, about you know, did did you just run this solely? And I, 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 you know, full disclaimer, I have not read your book. I apologize. Okay. Um, I need to go ahead and and I need a digital copy. And we'll talk about digital copy at the end of the podcast too. Because we got a cool, could you listen to the end of the podcast? There's going to be a way for you to go ahead and potentially get a, a digital copy of her book. Um, but talk to me about were you solely pushing? You know, your, this property management company host my home. Were you pushing just on Airbnb and or or did you did you end up going ahead and saying, all right, you know, now that I'm at 20 properties, I need a property management software. Talk to us a little bit about that. All right. So this will blow your mind and it blows and, and probably 
one of the um, uh, the things that a lot of people are surprised to hear was that I was 100% Airbnb. I love Airbnb so much that Chesky is going to have to uh, sponsor a facial tattoo one day of his logo, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, but I love Airbnb. And there's a couple of reasons. I, I did toy with a couple of the other channels, OTAs. Um, I did try Booking.com. I did try Stays. I, you know, there's a couple of others that I tried. I hated them and they're they're not our sponsor. You're good. You can say whatever the hell you want to say. (laughs) I should have checked beforehand, right? Um, But I love Airbnb. The reciprocal review systems mean that everyone's on their best behavior. The host guarantee meant that if the guest didn't pay for something, I got Airbnb to pay for every claim I ever put in. Uh, And I just enjoyed the whole system. I felt supported. I felt that they were a marketing mega machine who were bringing in my clients. And, you know, I just didn't have to worry about marketing to clients at all. All I had to worry about marketing to were homeowners. So I focused 100% on getting more properties. That was all I was doing. Airbnb took care of the rest. And so that was what I was doing. So in terms of technology and software, I didn't use really anything i was using the airbnb system the platform I was you're crazy using, by the way i know like, <laughs> and and actually and i am going to admit one of my biggest regrets well so let me tell you what i was using and then let me tell you my, what my regret was and what <laughs> i wish i was using was that uh airbnb i was using zero for my accounting and a real estate software just to produce my trust account reports. So I was a realtor uh, and I had to abide by some right. guidelines and reports. Yeah. What an idiot. Don't do a Julie George and not use a dynamic pricing software. Like I was guessing prices on my properties. Don't do that, folks. If you're listening to one thing on this podcast and you're going to write it down, use a dynamic pricing tool. Do not think that you are smarter than the experts. Um, so biggest regret is how much money did I leave on the table by not doing that? Mm. Still right. gives me nightmares. Um, but I didn't use any channel managers, PMSs. I, I didn't use any technology. My team of people that were working for me, my co-hosts would meet Face to face, so we didn't have smart locks. We didn't. Uh, we didn't mm. use noise detectors. Nothing. So now, <laughs> and in fact, I've only just figured out how to use Instagram. So look, Grandma here um, has just you know finally come into the new age and has realised with all of the technology that is out there, with all of the education for anybody listening right now wanting to get into the short term rental industry. You are so lucky and you are going to be so supported and you're going to be, if I can do 130 properties in two and a half years, wow. My mind could only imagine what you could do with what what you've got at your hands and your fingertips right now. It's uh, That's an amazing story. Um, and truly, like I still think you're batshit crazy for doing it the way you <laughs> yeah. did it. But um, like more power to you. Like, like I bet there's some like amazing lessons learned and, you know, and, and I just, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, I have, I have some friends in the space here that, that have, you know, similar growth, but they're a full fledged property management, you know, company with like, you know, doing it with PMS, with everything. And, um, but there's only a handful truly like the, I know, I know two people total that have built as quickly as, as you did. Um, and everyone else is like the scale is much slower and and it's not for everybody. It's, this has been a recurring, um, topic of conversation, truly the past three or four episodes, like, like what is scale to you? What is growth to you? Like where, like, like where is your sweet spot as a property manager? You know, like you were at what, 130, um, and Mm -hmm. you know, but some, some sweet spots, 50, some sweet spots, 20, what is the best fit for you? And where do you want to take yourself? Obviously you've took where your growth, you sold, you wrote a book and you're still not done. Like, no. like, you know, you're investing, which I, I want to talk more about that here. Um, you know, like the other thing too, John, is that um, the biggest probably misconception was at 130 properties, I must've been working my ass off, but I wasn't, I was doing about 10 hours work a week and my team, mm. I had, I had structured and built this framework uh, very much like a franchise. So I had co-hosts underneath me doing the day-to-day running. I had 
a couple of employees, mm-hmm. which I didn't put on those employees until I had a certain number of properties. Um, I opened up an office, a physical office. Uh, but at, in the last 12 months of running 130 properties, I worked about 10 hours a week. And I would turn up to the office and the girls would say, what are you doing here? Don't touch anything. And that was the best feeling ever. Like I honestly didn't even see a lot of the properties that were in my portfolio towards the end because I had put this structure into work on the business, not in the business. And I would implore Mm -hmm. anybody who's looking to scale, you've got to do a couple of things right. You've got to put in that framework, the operations, the systems, you've got to get your team involved. You've got to give, you've got to empower your team to have, take ownership and have pride in their work. And by doing, I did a very big, um, one of my secret sources is to do a profit split. So every time that I would earn a dollar, I would make sure that my team was earning, you know, unlimited amounts of money themselves. So I did a commission plus a set fee for everybody who worked with me, no matter what they were doing, they were getting some sort of incentive. And that just drove the loyalty, drove the uh, the ownership. And, um, and it meant that I could just sit back and chill out and relax. Uh, so... Yeah, there's there's a little secret sauce for everybody listening in. That's no, I, I no, like yeah. It. Take care of you. Take care of your people, and they will definitely take care of you. Um, I think it's interesting though, like with the people you're consulting. And John, I think John mentioned this a little bit. Like we're talking about getting to scale. Do they come in knowing, you know, with a preconceived notion of how big they want their business to be, or are they coming to you? You know, what, what are you seeing? Because that's what we. You know, not everybody in this space is going to be the biggest property manager in the world, right? So how do you talk to the you, these people that you work with to get them to a space uh, or, or get them, you know, to a space where they can figure that out, uh, where they can get to what they're comfortable with it, or where, you know, their goal of whatever number of properties that is? Yeah. So do you mean uh, the people that I'm working with right now, the uh, through the, well, Legends X shameless plug here um i i am working with a bunch of um, short-term rental operators at the moment they they might have one property or they've got up to maybe 40 properties but they're looking to scale but they're Mm -hmm. all in that same pain point they're stuck they're they're like a hectic host they're running 24 7 they've got their phone attached to their ear they haven't had a break with their family. They probably don't know what their children look like anymore. Uh, they're the people that I'm dealing with day to day. And they are the ones that um, I guess the we, we take them through a few steps and I'll, I'll let you in on the secrets on this as well. Firstly, it's about setting a vision, really getting to figure out what they want to do in the business themselves. Like what does their role look day to day? And you don't have to be black and white. You can take the blinkers off and say, well, I actually really love guest communications, but I don't like dealing with homeowners or I love dealing with the money, but I don't like dealing with anything else. Uh, So really getting to know your likes, your dislikes, your skills, your, your strengths, your weaknesses, like don't be afraid to actually put your hand up and go, like for me, I know I'm a terrible cleaner. <laughs> my cleaning skills are crap. And my reviews for cleaning mm. when I was cleaning the properties were awful. So um, I knew that the first person I needed to hire was somebody who was strong in that area. So, right, right. you know, recognize your weaknesses, hire where and outsource where you are weak um, and surround yourself with people that enhance you is probably the first thing that I would say to anybody that um, is looking to, well, you're creating this vision, but then you're needing and you need to write down your goals. You need to really have some set goals. But you're right, Mateo, not everybody wants to be the biggest, um, like have a lot of properties. They may just want a handful of properties, but luxury properties or properties with private chefs in them. But really, this is the most exciting part about this industry is you can really put your own spin on it. And you don't have to go down the lines of everybody else, you know, this you don't have to be a cookie cutter property manager either. You can actually come in right. and go, well, actually, I'm a fantastic, uh, I, I'm an educator. I would think I'm going to come in as a consultant for mum and dads who are wanting to set up their own Airbnb properties. I'm going to offer a consulting service to help them get set up. Um, and this is something I actually did as well to get a lot of people to come on board with me. I offered free consultations. If you didn't, if you've never had an Airbnb account, I would offer a free our consultation to set up your own Airbnb property. And I would sit down with 
the mum and dad uh, go through, set their profile up, do a listing for them, get it set up. But the secret was that Airbnb were giving me a referral kickback for every person that I bought on board that uh, their software, their platform. Right. So I was earning yeah. a couple hundred dollars. Right. So, But the beautiful thing was the novelty wore off. After a few weeks of cleaning toilets, meeting guests, being up 24-7, answering inquiries, they got sick of it and then they came back to me and said, can you take over full management? Okay. <laughs> yeah, twist my arm. Yeah, right, right. Whatever. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so hopefully that answers. But um, I, I really think that people that when I'm consulting, my first thing is let's do a self-analysis. What do you like? What do you dislike? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where do you want to be? What is your goal in a few years' time? What lifestyle do you want to be leading? And that's where we've got to start. And then we've got a roadmap to success. Then we can start putting into place the structure, the framework, and getting a team on board to help or software to automate. You mentioned a couple of things, Julian. You mentioned, um, you know, finding, you know, the, the things that you're good at or, or your likes and dislikes. And, you know, again, we've mentioned this in the podcast previously is with tech that is available today. Like, like you can be great at three or four things and, and absolutely horrendous at two or three, but the the tech's going to come in and help you do all that things and you can kind of focus on what you want and really mm. curate your your role and you know your experience as a property manager or whatever direction you want to go um you know with that tech you know helping you do that you you also mentioned the uh air you know again you only use airbnb which is again insane to me um but what you know, from we deal with on on the majority, and you know, me coming from a pro- property management software uh, platform sales prior to my current role. You know, I'm dealing with professional property managers. Did you ever feel that that the you know an Airbnb host are unfairly um, you know like put in a an unprofessional? Like, I think let, let me rephrase this. What are you trying to say? Spit it. Well, out. I, I'm trying to say that that he's as, trying to say our hosts look down upon. Uh, he, but that's what he's trying. To but say. professional property managers overall feel that most Airbnb hosts need to up their game to become more professional. Don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. So, like, I think they like the an Airbnb host to a lot of professional managers is kind of a dirty word or a like are definitely looked down upon like and you're doing a lot to professionalize that space you know i i just kind of want your take on that and 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 kind of what your thoughts i think we all have to start somewhere and i think um yeah i'd be pretty disappointed if somebody did look down on you know if somebody's just running a one property or they've got a spare bedroom that they're renting out I think that's exciting because they've got a little side hustle. They're providing uh, income for their family. I, I, I love it. I, you know, I would um, fully support and empower somebody who's doing that. And that's where I full, full disclaimer. We do too. Like, like I'm yeah. just, I'm just trying to. Yeah. I'm just doing what we do well, here on this podcast, idiots? trying to stir the stirs the pot a little bit. Who are bit, these you know? idiots out there that are doing that? Let's get them. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and get them. Let's get yeah, them. I think I think the, you know there are. You know, in, in all fairness, there are there are people that are like, man, I just need to go ahead and I need to make a little extra extra scratch. I'm going to go ahead and rent out this room, and and um, there's no real focus on on in in small circumstances in in unique. There's there might not be that focus, and then they those bad bad Airbnb yeah. hosts go ahead and leave the bad taste and they are what are remembered in a city in a, in a, you know, like what happened in that Airbnb. Yeah, I mean, Airbnb is a, is a dirty word. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but it, it doesn't need to be. Um, no, so, but that's and, where and, we've got to step up. I think we've all got to step yeah. up and take ownership, like, you know, to educate our community, to really be on the front foot. And we had a discussion the other day about, you know, regulations and bans and people thinking that Airbnb was, you know, uh, the party places, like it gets a bad rap. Um, 100%. But, you know, what as hosts or as, as individuals part of this industry, we've got the power to change that and we can mould that. And I feel like we're on the cusp of something massive with this industry and 
I, for one, you know, I took the initiative to go and meet all my council members uh, to go to the the right. town, the city council, and say, "Look, let me tell you about." Airbnb. It's not as bad as you might think it is. And I I would educate and try and talk to them. And I remember going to a council meeting once where there were some neighbours who were cranky about the noise, you know, that Airbnb were, there was one house in particular that were having parties. And yeah, it was one of those hosts that didn't give a shit. And oh God, I can swear mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah, you just say whatever um, the fuck you want. <laughs> so they just didn't care. Um, and yeah. I remember that the councillors, I had educated them so well that they stood up and they brought up some statistics on the board and they said, so we've had three noise complaints on this particular house throughout the last 12 months. The Hilton Hotel has had 25 noise complaints this last weekend. And, you know, so they put it in perspective and that just shut everybody down. You know, um, the other thing that was interesting in that particular meeting was that, you know, there was a bit of a... um, a wrong understanding, like a, you know, a suspicion that Airbnb were taking all the work away from hotels. Well, when we looked at the statistics, it was, in fact, the the hotels were seeing a huge amount of growth at the same time that short-term rentals were seeing a a huge amount of growth as well. So, so look, I think it's all about education, but we've all got to play our part. And I would say to any of the listeners out there right now, join your local short-term rental association. And if there is not a local short-term rental association, start one. Start one. Get on and create a Facebook page. Start your own short-term rental association. Start educating the community. And I truly believe those who educate will own the space. You will be seen as the expert in your area. You will be seen as the million-dollar host of Florida uh, and or wherever you might be listening in from. And then suddenly... New business is coming to you. You're not having to go and find landlords. You're not having to knock on the doors of homeowners. Suddenly people come to you and go, I want you to look after my place. You're the expert. So uh, use it as an opportunity. But, um, but yeah, anybody who gives those little hosts a hard time, I'm coming for them, John. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the, uh, oh, shoot. I was going to go. I had a direction I was going. Mateo, jump in here. I, I, I'm a brain fart. I know exactly what he wants to talk about, too, because your, your journey has come from, you know, all the way through managing consulting to investing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we keep talking about technology and what's coming next in the space. And, you know, I do think technology is going to be the great equalizer. It's going to give us better hosts. It's going to give us, you know, better professional property managers, right? Like it's going to give us, it's it's going to be that equalizer in the space. Um, and, you know, just what we've seen in the past 10 years come through, um, you know, it's, it's changed how everything in the space works and what's going to come next is even more exciting. Uh, but we did want to dig in and, and, and talk a little bit about your, your projects and things you've been going, uh, you've been investing in, that you've been pumping, what you've been seeing. Um, so talk to us about that. Yeah, look, I'm so excited about what's happening in this space. Uh, there's, I guess, probably in the last 18 months, especially during COVID, I've seen some incredible businesses being formed, some startups that are really taking um you know, taking our industry by the reins and really going to change things, you know, wherever we can to make things simpler, automate things, uh, streamline um, our processes, our systems, it's going to fast track our success. So I have spotted, there's a couple of little um, gems that I've spotted out there in the marketplace and I've put my money where my mouth is, uh, one of them being Wash B&B. Now, Wash B&B is a laundry solution. So the biggest pain point for any short-term rental operator is laundry. <laughs> How do you cope with laundry? And I've got to tell you, my book, if you read my book, you will see I tried everything. I was running my Chinese laundry in my house. I had sheets and things. Of, my family would spend the nights folding, trying to fold a fitted sheet. That was just ridiculous. Tuck and roll is, I reckon, the only way. Um, but um, so doing that, running through a commercial laundry, doing a, a linen service. Uh, look, I tried everything. and um, and But when I stumbled across a, a young guy called Daniel Cruz who runs Wash B&B, uh, he's over in the States. He has, has yep. been a host himself. He, uh, he recognises that there are issues. 
Daniel has created a, um, a linen service whereby he will provide fresh linens for your short-term rental. Even if you've just got one little property, fresh linens, he will wash those linens. He, he's just providing this incredible service that is it's in a couple of states already in the US. Um, don't ask me which ones because I can't remember. But but washbnb.com, if folks, have a look at that. I put my money where my mouth is and I've become lead investor for that company because I just see that this is a business that could take um, or provide a solution for hosts worldwide. Uh, so I'm really excited to see his, his little business as well. But, uh, but there's a couple of others that are coming out. Keep an eye, there's one that I haven't mentioned to you guys, but there's one that's uh, coming out, Enzo Connect, E-N-S-O Connect, Francois up in Toronto. Uh, he is in Canada. So um, he is just an absolute superstar. He is putting together some technology for hosts, a one-stop shop, basically everything, channel manager right through to noise monitoring to like just making it a one-stop solution. So Enzo Connect, watch and listen to that name. He's going to be the next billionaire in our space, uh, in our industry. All right, money with if your. If you can pull it all in, yeah. No, shout out to Daniel and the Wash B&B crew. We uh, we know them. He's out here in Atlanta. So when we uh, we saw their presentation at VRMA, it was actually uh, did a really good job. Well, they're doing the. Um, I think they're doing Tech Stars, uh, tech stars in Atlanta yeah. at the moment, which is just you know there's some amazing mentors in that program, and uh, yeah, that's they're going to go a long way. Those boys. I think Andrew. I think Andrew from Rented is one of the uh, is one of the mentors too, because he was mentoring a couple of people. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's awesome. Do you uh, do you have anything else on the horizon that like that you see or you you for you know you you've mentioned crystal ball a couple times here. Um, so are are you forecasting uh, anything? You know, like truly, like people like I ask this often, and people are like, yeah. oh, I hate it when I ask. But you since you mentioned it, you know, what, I, what's coming up? Look, I I'm really excited for any of you who watched. Um, Brian Chesky's interview with the Skift Conference only a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Brian mm-hmm. Chesky was talking about the, the um, you know, the revolution, the change in travel forever. Um, and let me just flip. Look, at, this is how technical I am. I still use pen and paper, right? So, um, but I did write a bunch of notes because Chesky, his brain, like, you know, he's a bit short for me and I am now single again, but um, he's a little short. <laughs> I love his brain. So, uh, yes, I've got a little crush on Brian Chesky. There's my um, uh, my confession. But, the, you know, the golden age of travel, he was talking about post-pandemic travel's going to change. There are going to be, a, there's going to be a need for more hosts. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of people say, have we missed the boat? Have we not got into short-term rentals on the right time? Now is the right time to get into short-term rentals. Now, before international travel is about to open up, but it's not there yet. I would say 2022, my prediction would be February, March 2022. We are going to see a massive influx. You're going to have all the Aussies coming to your areas. Um, well, we just, I mean, we just opened up here Oh yes. today. Yeah. Yeah. Today, I think, or, yeah. or yesterday, um, international travel um at least European travel for sure um, opened up with, you know, full vaccination. So um, we're seeing it already an uptick. Give it a couple of months. I think, I think in a couple of months time when people feel comfortable uh, and confident to travel again, they will be. Um, The one prediction that I think is going to blow our industry out of the water is the nomadic traveller, the worker, like me, Julie George. I just need Wi-Fi. Give me Wi-Fi, a comfortable bed and a cold fridge refrigerator so I can put a bottle of wine in there. I'm going to be happy and I can work from anywhere in the world. So if you can start with your properties, I would say to hosts out there now, start preparing for those types of travellers. Make sure you have the fastest Wi-Fi speed and, and do a screenshot and put it as one of your first five photos in your listing because I will read, as a traveller, I'm going to read through and if it does not have proof of fast Wi-Fi, I'm not going to book your place. Um, I want a desk space as well. I would love if you had, and I've, I've seen some guys that I've just, cons- I've been training some, well, I've been training a lot of people, but a few of my um 
hosts that uh, um, I've just been training have taken on board and I've seen the results already, I'm excited, where they have set up um, a monitor, a, a computer monitor and a scanner printer that they have put there with a ring light for Zooms <laughs> um, that, that travellers can use. Now, if you did that, I'd pay an extra $50 per night to stay in your listing just for those little amenities. So right. start thinking about who's coming. I'm coming for 30 days or more uh, in most cases because I like to unpack once and just hang out in a place for a little while. Um, but I'm going to be coming over to Atlanta. I'm going to be coming over to, you know, to to your neck of the woods. And honestly, guys, I think a lot more people have realised through this pandemic, they don't need to be in an office anymore. You are not a slave to your cubicle. So get out there and provide a new office for those people and uh, and and make it fun. But those would be my predictions that, um, that travel is changing. The, the travelling worker uh, is somebody that we need to cater for and probably the number one person we need to cater for. So fast Wi-Fi, space to work uh, and yeah, and um, and just be prepared for something. Look, you, you haven't missed the boat. For anybody just listening in, get in there now, start setting up your properties and February, March 2022, I see massive, massive boom in our industry. No, I I, I agree with, with everything you just said. I, I think the, the biggest thing that that we here in the States, especially, and I'm not sure, uh, like it's, 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 it's inventory. Like we, we need like the, these property managers, you know, homeowner acquisition. That's, that's been the big, the big buzzword for, you know, for a year and a half now is like, how do we get more inventory? And, and it's the interesting thing is like, not only how do you get more inventory, but like, how do you jockey for that inventory? Because everyone's going for the same inventory. So there, there's some unique, um, you know, multifamily things that are being built. And then, you know, there's all different directions so we can get more inventory, um, you know, from, you know, more people being hosts themselves to, you know, l- larger companies coming in and investing and in, in, in building specifically for this, this spot. Um, that's the other thing that I've seen a massive change in. So during COVID, a lot of people running under the arbitrage model uh, really got stuck. They got stuck. They got, they got screwed. They got screwed. You know, yeah. but, but before COVID, you know, what was the risk? Like yeah. they're truly like no one knew that it was a risk until it was too late. That's true. You know, That's true. And then, and I think, you know, yeah, I think, you know, with everybody that was left with all those <laughs> selling furniture as a secondhand business, you know, look, that was pretty much what our short-term rental um, arbitrage model uh, followers were doing you know they had all these properties yeah. they were stuck with storage containers full of furniture they were still committed to paying these leases yep. they were screwed and so I think what we're seeing now and this is the other big change in the industry is that a lot of people are looking to the management model which is what I built my business on low risk takes no money to get into you just need to, honestly, I started my business with $9,000, but that was to build out some, like a website and to do a few, uh, to buy a couple of computers, to buy some cleaning gear. Honestly, you could start tomorrow in the management model. If you had a mop, a bucket, a vacuum cleaner and a smartphone, get out there and start tomorrow. And uh, and I think that the management model is, it, it's not huge in the US. The arbitrage model is still the big uh, the go-to business structure, but I think management. I don't. I don't know if that's true okay. um, here in the U.S. If the arbitrage model is the big model, I mean the the our our large like Vacasa, for example, is you know thirty thousand units, and that's a management model. That's not an arbitrage model. You know, there. I I think that there is arbitrage is is definitely prevalent here. Um, but, and, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely in the more urban markets, there is more, uh, yeah, that's definitely more prevalent, but I don't, I'm, I could be wrong. Uh, no, I, I, think, no, I think, I think, I think, it, I think it's what's happened is over the past two, three years, we've seen a significant shift and change and we saw it firsthand. And when we were at rented and, and I, I was working at rent with rented capital, we saw it early right? and, and we saw that, that it just didn't make sense. But we also saw the shift. You had companies like Vector and others that immediately were pivoting to rev share models 
that made more sense, but they were all based on a management platform, like managing of units, right? And so, but that also made kind of, there was also a clear delineation between who was arbitraging in, in and at scale and who was just arbitraging what I would say on the lower end and, and were just kind of like hustling, right? Like, cause that's what a lot of the hustle was. A lot of the hustle was people arbitraging Airbnb and had no intention of, you know, providing a service or professional service in that space. They were just arbitrary. They were just hustling the space. Yeah. And so, and, and so we saw a lot of that, but we also saw a lot of professionals that were playing with the arbitrage model. And John, you've seen them. We've all seen them. They got burned yeah. pretty bad. Right. And, and, but it, but what it did was cause a, a, a shift in the conversation, both on the owner side, um, and with the manager side, because now they were able to talk about in, you know, with greater reception, hey, there's a better way to do this, right? And let's talk about rev share. And, and that's what management is, right? Like at a, certain, at a certain point, you're managing for a certain percentage of that revenue that you're going to end up, you know, sharing with this owner and you're providing those services to get that share of that revenue. So it, I, I think it's interesting. I think at scale, you know, we learned pretty quickly that the arbitrage thing wasn't going to happen. But I think that was also due to a lot of big players failing, uh, in, in terms of or, or over leveraging themselves and, and not being successful uh, with that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But I, I think is. that, you know, people really can take their blinkers off too and even um, create a hybrid model, you know, and it might be that, uh, you know, some, yeah. you might come across a property developer, like you're saying, John, like, you know, there's plenty of, say there's somebody that's building out um, a bunch of villas. Well, get in there. You don't be afraid to, yeah. to knock on their door and say, look, can I take on all of these properties for you? And uh, you, let's do it under the management model, but let me give you a guaranteed minimum monthly payment. Um, but let's do it under a management model so that that's the worst that you're going to earn. You might be able to, uh, you know, we, there's unlimited earnings um, right. with yeah. taking me on. So so I guess, you know, taking those blinkers off, but I just, I'm so excited for the future of our industry. Like we're on the cusp of something huge at the moment. And I, I feel like we're all in the position um, that we can start molding how we want to be seen in this industry, what it wants, what we want it to look like, how we can educate our own communities, forming those associations uh, and just, and supporting each other. You know, one of the best things about this industry is that there's not a lot of competition. I don't hear a lot of people um, vying for the same property and uh, and competing against each other. There's, there's enough to go around. So support each other, mentor each other, inspire each other, uh, you know, and, and let's see these success stories unfold. I mean, it's, it's, it's competitive. They're it's competitive, but I like in the US I, it is, it's super competitive. Maybe I missed that part. Um, no, <laughs> well, that's it. it is like so it's, it's competitive, it's, but we're it's all market the same. dependent too. Yeah. It's it's market by by far market. And like you know, Mateo and I came in, like we we're talking about how tight knit it is, and and like yes, like we're all just this like crazy large family that like kind of dysfunctional, but so but true. large at the same time. And the you know that's why Mateo and I are never going to leave this space. It's like, we came in, yeah. like we stumbled in, like you stumbled in, you know, into the, you know, you're a realtor. So you had your foot in the door, but, you know, before going into different things, but like I used to sell hardwood lumber of all things. <laughs> and I stumbled into the space and like, I will never leave it. Like I fell in love with the yeah. people. I fell in love with the relationships. I, I just like, it's such a, it's very competitive. It's tight knit. And, and, talking to people back in the eighties and like that were like into like property measure in the eighties and they, they were like the wild, wild, wild West. It's still the wild West today. And that's, what's so exciting yeah. about it. Like, like 30 years later, it's still frigging like it's about to explode and it's been about to explode for 30 years. Um, so that's, what's fun about it. It's so, what, John, the eighties were 40 years ago. Does that make Holy you shit. Off? Don't go there. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm like, talking late '80s. <laughs> yeah. I could. Yeah. Julie, I have a question for you. Since yeah. we're talking about all this, I had a no bullshit question for you. Oh, so, great. have you ran across anybody who you've ever had to tell eh, maybe this business isn't for you, or <laughs> have you have you come across people or come across anyone that's made you kind of weary about why they've wanted to come to the space? Um, oh, probably. 
Probably not not as many as you would think. I I think that it, they, it certainly this industry certainly sorts out. Um, or not not everybody is made for twenty four seven hosting and dealing with guests. You know, I think after a little while the novelty does wear off. But by the time they get to me, if they're wanting to build a business and they're wanting consulting and they want mentoring, they're pretty set. Like right. they're already pretty hospital, you know, they've got the hospitality down pat. They know how to run their five or six units. They just need help to get to that next level to work on the business, not in it. Um, so I can't say that I have come across too many. Have you come across too many like, many like that, Mateo? I've come across people that should absolutely not be in this business. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because they were just trying to hustle, right? Like they were, they didn't give a shit about hospitality. They were just trying to make the, the profit off of the properties that had bare, you know, super bare minimum, like it, it was a hustle for them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think the space was better off for them. They didn't really give a shit about the properties that they were dealing with. So they were a headache kind of to the rest of us and they didn't care. They were just more interested in the money, which don't get me wrong. The money's important, uh, but not all money is good money. Uh, if you uh, play dominoes, you know that or shoot dice or do any of those things that, uh, that that saying, you know, kind of fits with, but no, I do. I do think, I mean, again, it's just, it's with everybody. It's with everything else. You know, everyone's intentions, you know, you, you don't know what those people's intentions are, but I, I do know to do well and be successful in this industry, the key components, hospitality, at a certain point, you have to care. It's not just about the money. Uh, if you want to build something that's lasting. You'd like to think though, that like Airbnb with those reciprocal reviews, you know, the hosts are really busting their asses to try and impress the guests. Um, I know I was in the beginning. So I think if if somebody is just in it for the hustle and just, you know, not really trying, it's, they're going to come unstuck. Like, you know, I have seen some pretty awful um, listings being put up and uh, scary looking. <laughs> I wish I had a photo that I could show you. There Look, no, I'm, see, like, I'm pretty sure I've seen them. Oh, it's yeah, like it's- a mass murderer. And I thought... No, yeah, there's no way I'm going to go and stay in that guy's house. But, um, but yeah, I think that kind of, I think it sorts itself out. But maybe I've been hanging out with just the nice hosts. I don't know. Maybe you, what sort of town are you hanging out in, Mateo? That, uh, I, I Atlanta. Think, I think. Atlanta, yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't an Atlanta thing. This is not just an Atlanta thing. Let's be very clear. No, Dodgy part is, of town. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, and internationally. You think of, you know, what they've had issues with people that hopes. Uh, kind of what we'll call uh, a certain way. Um, you know, I don't think it's the majority of people, but uh-huh. it's the majority of the ones that we hear about, right? Like, so, and in those negative situations. So, you know, we do know that there are people that have all, you know, they, they don't care about the industry, don't care about hospitality at all. They just care about the money. And, you know, that, that that's a part of what we have to deal with because, you know, unfortunately, we're lumped together and we have to answer for them and their uh-huh. actions. One solution for that, though, um, I don't know if you guys have come across IPRAC. Chris Morhan over in Europe yeah. um, has got IPRAC. And yep. I love the idea of, you know, really yep. recognising hosts for doing a good job and giving them a little badge of honour to say, we are verified, we we are genuine. Uh, so IPRAC, folks, that's that's something that if, uh, if you are a host out there, you want to show that you are a professional host, maybe maybe check that out. No, the Chris is doing a great job. We we uh, he's going to be coming on the the podcast at some point here. It's just uh, we just haven't and we haven't come around to it yet. It's been uh, it's been uh, it's been good and busy and and exciting. Um, speaking of exciting, like this has been awesome having you join us today. Thank yeah. you so much. My pleasure. I'm, I'm just like, good. it's so nice to meet both of you in, well, in yeah. person from from the uh, yeah neck yeah. up. Hi. <laughs> Right. The um, you mentioned earlier that um, that you would be willing to go ahead and give two or, or please what what are, what, what are you what willing are we, to go ahead go and, and donate? Let's go five books. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, put an ebook out there for five people. But let's do this. I think it should be the five first five reviews on this podcast. So, folks, if you want to, if you're listening in now, you want to drop a comment, leave a review, share this podcast with your friends and family, anybody who you think might uh, might benefit. Um, 
leave leave a little review and uh, and get in touch with John and Matteo. Um, they're going to shoot out a copy of my book to you. Uh, but but otherwise, folks, uh, it is available on Amazon. Leave a nice review if you like it. If you don't like it, come and tell me. I had some idiot the other day put on Amazon that I sound like a drunk soccer mum. Well, are you? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, maybe uh, it was it. Maybe it was just you know that, that that's it was my ex husband. I don't know. Possibly. But I need to I need to push that that stupid troll down the list, and I need to yeah. have some positives. But um, anyway, I look. If you don't laugh, you cry. Absolutely. So um, <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. But I'd love to reward some of your listeners today and just give a, a few copies of the book out. It might just help somebody you know understand the journey that I went through. Give you some tips on getting started, but. Um, but look, I, I just hope that you've taken away at least just one thing today from today's conversation, and uh, I might inspire you to replicate the success that I've seen in this industry. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, yeah. Julie. We'll, we're going to go ahead and, and leave a link to a bunch of different things that you uh, you listed today, including a link to your Amazon uh, page to go ahead and purchase a book on direct from our Amazon and leave a, a positive review to get that troll down. Yeah. Um, the first five people that leave a review on, um, let's just keep it on Apple podcasts. That's going to be easier. So I'm not looking all over the place for all the reviews. First five reviews on Apple podcasts, um, from today's date on, um, we will go ahead and make sure you get a copy of the book. Thanks, Julie. It's been, it's been super fun. Thank you so much. It's lovely to see you guys. And I hope to catch up with you at a bar, uh, sometime soon. I I heard that's where you... That's where you met, right? So let's let's. That's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't partake anymore, but um, at the same time, it's still the same thing. You know, it's it's the same conversations, and uh, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll hang out for sure. We will have fun, I'm sure. So lovely to see you guys. No, hey, thanks, Julie, Julie. thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have you on again, please. Uh, you know, this is definitely uh, your lane, and you know, we're happy to have you. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you.